0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Work. This is a podcast where my co-host Gina Killian and I talk to the serious thought leaders in the HR tech industry and its surrounds about the things that are happening today and the things that are going to happen tomorrow. Today, we're going to be spending some time with Randy Wilmack talking about v 3 and the emergence of artificial intelligence for content generation. Randy is the, oh, man, Randy's amazing. Randy is a serial entrepreneur who ran operations for SuccessFactors in its peak and has had his fingers in all sorts of startups. He was, I believe, an entrepreneur in residence at Greylock Ventures. And he is currently down the road a fair piece of a project called Socrates.ai. Socrates.ai is... Uh, a different kind of chatbot. It's it's it it has a conversational interface, but it's better understood, I think, as a conversational interface with the organization rather than with a script like most chatbots are. And so we're particularly lucky to get to talk with Randy about ChatGPT because this is his world, uh, and and so Randy. I'm going to to start you off with a question. Last time we talked, you made a very strong distinction between generative AI and precise AI. And I thought thought it might be interesting to have the audience hear your take on the difference between those two things and what um, we can expect out of AI today.
1: Um, sure, John. Hi, John. Hi, Gene. Great to see you guys and always great to talk to the thought leaders in HR. So appreciate the time today. Um, yeah, I think chat GPT is confusing in a lot of ways. And so the my suggestion on the way to frame it or kind of think about it is that when you think about AI and NLP or text retrieval, there's two critical concepts that we'll keep coming back to to explain the behaviors of systems. And and the first one is precision. And we're all super familiar with precision because it's in Google, we do it every single day. We look for information and, and what's powerful in Google is that their precision is amazing, right? And they give attribution and you get your choice of context and what it is that you're looking for based on very, very few, a small phrase or very few keywords. I think that there's a number of things that have caught people's full attention in GPT. And it's really powerful and there's really some terrific things, but it's a very different kind of design principle. Just like Google has the entire internet that it's basing its you know, machine learning on or its algorithms, we can talk about those a little bit. Um, Chat GPT does too. Now for the technical people, that's not quite true, but we're gonna talk about the potential of ChatGPT versus where it is with what they've released. And so it essentially learns and does its machine learning from the entire internet as well. And so it does have the ability to do some precision. It's not as accurate as Google today. It probably will be in the future. But its real power is in this generative capability. So what I mean by that is like, if I said, write me a poem about John and Jean's holiday parties, right, it's capable of doing it. And frankly, it does a pretty terrific job at it. So when we start talking about chat and gpt we're going to probably keep coming back to these two separate concepts about precision and about generative because they tend to get mixed together and if you if you in your mind separate them then it's much easier to kind of think through how do i get the most out of this technology
0: so let's let's take a little bit deeper into that so give, give me poetry having chat gpt write poetry that's example a um some specific quantitative fact is precision example B is that right
1: um well you could use precision to say show me some poems about holiday seasons right that were written by different people could be the new york times could be you know one of your favorite bloggers could be by your best friend down the street on facebook right and google's going to find it and it's going to give you examples and that you're going to have to take the context and go choose which of these i might want to use to write my own poem the difference with chat gpt is because chat gpt has this entire knowledge of what's in the internet It uses all of that context to come back and generate a poem for John and Jean that's about the holidays in a very kind of exciting way that people can then edit or use as it comes out. And so that's the real difference.
2: So That's so, the real danger as well, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Again, it's we'll get into technology about you know, how does it get used wrong and where is that really scary and is that usually the early adoption and that's true, Jane. So I completely agree with you in that statement.
0: So, so I hear what you're saying, but I have this sense that the way that most people actually use Google isn't to find a bunch of poems, but it is to find. The first item in the search result this is what all the competition is about. you want the first item in the search result because that's the answer to your question and so um, from my perspective, what chat GPT does is it takes away that extra click so so instead of instead of I go to the web and discover which of all of the companies who can afford to get their search result up to the top of the page is the first one so that I can look at it. I now have a pal who will just tell me what the answer is, and cut cut out all of the SEO bullshit.
1: Yeah, and and john, I kind of went through that journey myself although so now I'm going to defend chat GPT in a really powerful way, which is What If you use ChatGPT, what you'll see that's different than if, you know, I went to Google and found the closest article to what I was looking for, ChatGPT will actually rewrite the text for you. So you could say, write it in a fun manner, write it with a high school education, write it with a third grader education, and it will actually start regenerating the text and changing the word choices in that context and paragraph that's in that's pretty powerful. The other thing that I've seen Chat GPT do, which I think is really, really terrific as well. Again, we're focusing on you know how to use it in a constructive way to make yourself successful with it, is you can come back to Chat GPT and say, over this topic, what is it that I may have missed when I wrote this piece of text? And so what I'm assuming they do is that they draw a query as if you asked it and they compare the key concepts or keywords that they would have generated, look for them in your text, and then they'll produce a list of here's some things that you might've discussed in your paper that you didn't. And that's really powerful. So there's, there's the knowledge of the internet helping you be smarter in the content that you're creating. Right. But I, I, like Jean said, I would not necessarily leave it unsupervised. In my mind, it's still a human supervised and the human supervision is you. But the ability to make your writing more powerful and resonate better with your audience and help remind you of things that you might have considered adding into your content, it's very, very valuable in my mind.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, and John, forgive me. I, I know this mm. is this is definitely far more in your wheelhouse than it is mine. But when I use Google, it's a utility. So, for example, I, I go to Google and I'm looking for New Jersey Devils tickets. And the first link that comes up is a sponsored link. And if I'm an unsophisticated buyer, I won't name names in my household, but, you know, you'll wind up going... <laughs> to a link where you are going to pay a lot more for those tickets. I just went into ChatGPT and typed in the same thing, you know, where can I buy New Jersey Devils hockey tickets? And I got this very thoughtful response with all of these details and nothing that has a nefarious element to it. And so I'm fascinated by that. So I, I just wanted to weigh in on, on that comparison while we were on that topic.
1: So, Gene, I love your I love your example here for two reasons. The first is that what you're looking for is some level of precision, right? And that's not necessarily where GPT strength is today. Now, if with Microsoft involvement, if you ask me in a few years, are they going to be as precise as Google? The answer is yes, right? Because they're working with a limited data set today. So again, we're talking about the future. So so realize in your query, what you looked for was some level of precision, and you looked for attribution to sources to go by tickets. What I what I love about Chat GPT in a very positive way is something that socrates has been really focused on for a long time which is we believe in a in a hr environment and a corporate environment precision is critical what you tell people has legal liability It's super important Mm -hmm. and and it's less so in it but the precision is just as important in it The second thing that I love about what they're doing, though, is that they really focus on talking to you. Socrates focuses on single answers. We don't want people to get a document that's legalese, that's hard to understand and doesn't use the words that that the lawyers use. We want them to get a conversational answer that's straightforward to the type of policy question that they're asking. So what I think ChatPT is doing that you're reacting to, and I see a lot of people react to, is this concept of digital one-on-one interaction so they're giving you a single answer they're they're answering it as if they're talking to you exactly and that is really i love that because that's yeah. something that we've been pitching and you know trying to get people to understand the power of a digital one-on-one interaction for for a number of years and i think chat gpt is a great example of that
0: so so when you think about this i part of what i hear you saying is that if you have everything that's on the internet, you can get generalizable answers, and most really, really valuable answers are case-specific and, and built on data that's generalizable plus very specific, precise data from a very specific source of some kind. Do um, you imagine that you know this? I, I saw a valuation of of the OpenAI business at $29 Mm -hmm. billion the other day. You imagine that some of that money might go to building APIs so that specific information can be melded (laughs) by specific
1: vendors?
2: Randy is smiling for for our audience. I know this is audio only, but Randy is smiling.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a terrific question John because it starts us down the slippery slope of chat gpt. So the positive sides just kind of in summary that we talked about is say you work in a culture like Amazon where things are heavily submitted by writing. Right. It's up to you to write reports and submit them. It's an important part of their culture. I think chat GPT can be really helpful, not implying it should write their papers, but implying it can help people who aren't, you know, very comfortable writing, making sure they're writing a sound and, and tailoring it to their audience and checking. Did I forget any you know technical concepts in this paper that I need to communicate? Super powerful. We could talk about how to use it for performance reviews. We could talk about, you know, other places in HR that we have to do writing. Super powerful. Now, the concept that that you've introduced is we're going, if this really does have a lot of what's in the internet or all of what's in the internet, okay, now we get into bias, right? It's the Twitter FBI files all over again, Mm -hmm. right? And, And who's controlling that? And and so I think that gets super interesting. And I do think that as they release their APIs to make it available for vendors like us, um, they have one, it's just a little out of date at the moment. Um, what influence are people putting into that and what biases are they putting into that? Like a lot of the HR leaders we work with today say, I don't care that all this stuff is available to me, like weather, distance to the moon, mathematical calculations, a lot of the things that are on the internet, I only want that platform to respond with something that comes from our content. I want 100% knowledge when we tell employees something, what that answer is and where it came from, which is very different than ChatGPT. And ChatGPT, as people start influencing it, they use the word tuning, there's a number of terms, or overriding the answers. The question is, who's developing that tuning and what biases or ethical issues come out of that? And that's the slippery slope that will happen in multiple dimensions. If Microsoft is a major player here, I'm sure they're going to do a phenomenal job with it. Um, but as it goes to other vendors and other people, how are they influencing the input data? And then how are they influencing the tuning that comes out of it? Hmm,
0: big muddle. That is a big <laughs> muddle that you're talking about. Um, and um, I wonder if if we can see clearly enough, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think anybody imagined even at the dawn of Google, certainly nobody imagined at the dawn of the internet, but at the dawn of Google, nobody imagined this world that we're living in today, where every single shred of information is monetized and deployed against you as you go try to figure out how to navigate the, the world. Um, you think that's going to happen with chat gpt does it go from some sort of an idyllic ad-free single answer thing to something that is manipulated by design like google is
1: i think it one i think you're already seeing it you know i think that there's a number of vendors that have very successful businesses and kudos to them that have built have used chat GPT or GPT libraries in a generative way to make them, to build some terrific products. You're seeing a lot of it in marketing. You're seeing a lot of it in keyword. um, And a lot of people are using it in a very positive, constructive way. And I think that's fantastic. Um, I think Microsoft's influence on OpenAI and their investment and their leveraging of the technology is going to only improve both the data that it's learning from and also the filters that live on top of it. So it will be much more enterprise commercial ready. You know, what biases are in that, you know, I would have never thought Twitter had the issue it had, especially with the FBI paying for it. So you never know, there's always that opportunity for that. I think that, you know, if it's it's also equally concerning to think about how the people who are focused on fraud whether it's getting you to wire transfer money, whether it's getting your credit card numbers, whether it's getting your social security data, whether it's getting your PII, this is gonna be an incredibly powerful platform for them. And we're going to see new phishing and scamming techniques that we've never seen before. Um, And it's gonna influence every part of our commercial lives, both at work and both in our consumer world. Interesting, interesting. Um, I,
2: I'm going to I'm going to just jump in because uh, I'm looking at something that I think is the confluence of of what we're talking about with Socrates. And that is, does chat um, uh, GPT become the employment handbook? Is it is it is it, does it does it take the place of what we've seen in terms of, you know, when we look at the fact it writes this beautiful content, um, does that become the employment handbook?
1: Dean, I love your question. Um, I absolutely would hug you if I could reach through the computer on this.
2: Virtual hugs, okay. Yes.
1: Um, we, we have long talked about kind of having the vision that every you know company, whether they're global or whether they're Fortune 500 or whether they're SMB, um, thinks they're special, but so much of their policy truly is the same. Right. And and it's the same in specific countries. It's the same globally. And a lot of it's dictated by the laws. Right. Mm-hmm. And so by having a library like chat where you can start creating this stuff, I do think there is a huge opportunity in the future for employers to come together and start having kind of a consortium about what content should live. Um, in something like ChatGP that's deployed in an enterprise. And so if you think about, you know, what are the maternity laws in in London versus the U.S., it's going to do a great job of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And our ability to do conversation um, with employees, it's going to do a great job because you could say, tune it for high school employees or high school graduates or, no, we're Goldman Sachs or, you know, tune it Mm -hmm. for, you know, highly educated investment bankers. Um, and your ability to deploy that type of um, content based on a core base is absolutely the potential of GPT. So when you think about how messed up, and I mean that in the kindest way, you know people don't police their policy docs today. They've got lots of duplication. They've got lots of mm-hmm. errors. You know it's prolific, and we spend a lot of time cleaning up people's content. So I'm yes. very experienced with what a hot mess it is. If we could, if we could get employers of similar, you know, businesses are different, high margin businesses are different than low margin businesses. To start collaborating in the sense of their content, it's a huge opportunity for efficiency and it's a huge opportunity for digital one-on-ones and communication because you're able not only to control what are the real precision rules here, but how can I present it to an employee in a way that's meaningful to them and not have to do the rewriting and the work potentially yourself. Um, that's going to need some big constraints, right, especially when we think mm-hmm. about religious views or country views or political views. Exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. We'll
1: have to make sure that stuff gets filtered out, but the potential is absolutely there.
0: So we, have a, we had a venture capitalist on the show talking about GPT, and, and he suggested that this was just the next blockchain and that it would turn out to be nothing.
2: There was a definite element of hogwash <laughs> to that discussion. <laughs>
1: you know, exactly. I, I, I think that's where people get confused about generative imprecision and, and how to use it, um, you know, because if you it's really easy to focus on the bad, you know, and but it's there in our everyday lives. You can go to Google today and look up views that you strongly or radically disagree with and that you know, you have ethical reactions to that are just, you know, things that, but it's there and it's present. And and so I would strongly disagree with him because when you're dealing with a body of knowledge, I mean, to some extent, you could say most of the global human knowledge is on the internet in some form today. Now the accuracy, your belief on biases, and the question, you know, the bookends are, how do i use it in a really constructive way as a tool set am i using it for precision am i using it for generative am i am i taking ownership as an individual for tailoring the outcome and what it's here and using it as a tool um and then you've got the the other end which is no my my mission in the world is to produce harm and get economic gain and how can i use a technology like this to abuse it all of that exists so you know i think that 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 that's the difference. It's kind of like saying Google's evil because it's processed all this content on the internet. I don't agree with that. I think it's really about how you use it and the actions you take based upon what's out there. That's that's so powerful. So I, I don't know who he was, but I would disagree with him.
0: Well, you know, you know, it's the interesting thing about the venture capital business. It's gotten very conservative all of a sudden, hasn't it? Um. <laughs> I wonder why that is. <laughs> Yeah, it's gotten very, very conservative. So, so does this spur you? Right, you you run a you run a business that is at least adjacent to this. Um, um, how does it how does it um, energize your thinking about what Socrates can be over time?
1: Well, it's, it's probably in three buckets, um, one we're not going to talk about today, which are what are the technical differences between traditional search retrieval and the way that ChatGPT and Google and and the new type of text retrieval and what it's capable of. I mean, when you think about being able to process the Internet and make it available to people with all that knowledge in whatever presentation form you want to give it, that's really powerful. So that gets me super excited. Um, I think the second thing that gets me super excited about it is I think there's a ton of use cases that are super constructive and super helpful. Um, And I think that that people will use it in very constructive ways to help themselves in terms of the business. So for Socrates, you know, the third part of it is it's starting to create that digital one on one. Impact, And I think people understand what we say now when we say it, because ChatGPT elicits really strong reactions and behaviors in people's thinking, because here is a digital platform that's talking to me. Right. And it's answering questions specific to me and it's able to carry a dialogue with me on, you know, an entire spectrum of thought and process. Um, and and I think that while well, I would not say as an employer, like we're looking incorporating chat GPT, you know, to just general discussion when somebody says hi to a bot and wants to dialogue with it, can we put safe enough boundaries around it for the Internet? I'm also looking into it to say, can I take some of this corporate um, um, the corporate policies that we have, and can I start rewriting them automatically? Today, we do a lot of work manually rewriting that content for the right education level. Can I leverage it to start um, rewriting it in different things and could I do it dynamically? Like if I know I'm dealing with a, a frontline worker who's in a factory that maybe doesn't have a high school education, can I change the way that we respond to them when they versus, you know, somebody who's an executive in the company that we know is probably has a different vocabulary. The third part on this that we're also exploring is that to me, when you think about digital one on one what chat GPT has done is help people understand the value of text in a generative form, which I think is super powerful. Um, but don't forget the other mediums, you've got pictures, you've got memes, you've got videos, right? And and when those start getting incorporated, which is what we also do, it's ArcGIS again, it's more manual today than I would care for. But when we can start automating, leveraging that content um, and starting to enrich that and use the GPT or similar libraries for that, um, then I think it will be really, really powerful and exciting. So those are the things that we're looking in for the technology. Again, strong mode around it, strong protections but how do we leverage the good parts of it that are really powerful?
0: So I'm going I'm to ask you a, a last question that's that will take a while for me to articulate. So so I've been doing this experiment with chat GPT, and the experiment is, um, I asked it, what are the most important questions in HR? And you can make Chat GPT work and work and work and work and work till it runs out of answers to give you. You can ring it out like a sponge. And I got 150 or 60 of the most important questions in in HR. I can basically promise you that every HR vendor will have some sort of blog content about those 150 questions generated by a machine by this time next year or the year after. And so, so that makes the sea of mud that is internet content get very 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 similar over time but um if you know all of those questions and you can see all of those questions then you can get to the what are the questions that nobody's asked before kind of thing and actually do something that's been promised for decades now that hasn't been delivered on which is actual thought leadership about the the disciplines that we're in, because you clear away the crap, and it seems to me that that might actually be a pretty interesting, both professional and academic use of GPT, is to to be able to completely summarize everything so that you can get to the stuff that's different.
1: What do you think? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I'll build on it a little bit. So you know, the one thing that's important for HR leaders to think about is it's not just about content it's about the integrations that they're doing. Why are people filing tickets? Why are they updating their address? Why are they changing their withholding? So, you know, for the longest time we talked about sentiment coming out of surveys is, you know, people are mad or angry or they content in their jobs or where their problem is. I think the potential of these digital platforms like Socrates or ChatGPT is not just what are people asking and creating a dialogue with them that builds trust and gets them to enter things like You know, my boss is making me uncomfortable. She is closing the door when I go in. All these subtle things, which are not gonna show up as normal, but equally as much in what types of actions or things that people are doing that are going into systems of records that you're able to draw conclusions and insights on. And and so John, I think you're exactly right. Today, we tend to focus on surveys, which we know have their own issues, um, but it's is the best tool we have today. I do think the future of workforce insights and really understanding whether you want to call it sentiment and why did they want to change their withholding or, you know, is going to go far beyond what we see in surveys today. And we're going to be able to draw super intelligent, you know, and, and I would agree with you, it's not just what are the top three things are doing. It's what are the outliers and the outliers, as you said, may have as much or more meaning, actually, than, especially if you start connecting them and correlating them to regions, geographies, divisions, managers um, that tell you much more insights about what's really going on inside of a workforce versus just what we see today in surveys. Awesome.
2: That's a fascinating topic right there. Again, the intersection of of this with people analytics. Uh, We'll have to come back and revisit that at a future date. Cool.
0: Well, Randy, this has been an amazing conversation. Would you take a moment and tell people how they might get a hold of you so that they can hear more of this um, flow of wisdom and insight?
1: Yeah, in fact, I'd love for them to share their opinions with us as a group. Um, But yes, if you wanna contact me, um, you can contact me at rwomack at Socrates.ai. And I also share my phone number. You're welcome to text me or call me at 650-270-4500.
0: Thanks very much. So this has been another extraordinary episode of The Work. And we've been talking with Randy Womack, who is the CEO and founder of Socrates.ai. Thanks, Randy.